and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy. And I'm Clonny. And this is episode 47. Today we're going to be talking about chapters 53 through 62 of Nightfall. This section starts with learning that um, that Prentice was exposed to Saporidine, which as I was talking about in the last, it, last week, I'm still really confused about just that in general. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just not no, understanding I, things. If you're bad at understanding things, so am I. Which I mean I am. But it's also just kind of confusing. Yeah, I mean like so I, I understand that the saporidine is like it's an enzyme that is a sedative and it's it's a powerful sedative. And they put a little bit of it on Prentice, but nobody really knows um Yeah. Who did that to Prentice or why? Yeah, that that whole part. I mean, I have no memory of anything. That whole part <laughs> is kind of confusing. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I was trying to to make sense of it because I don't know. Because in the book, they do a lot of talking, like sort of going through various theories about what might have happened. So I tend to get confused about like which theory was actually the right one. Yeah. Oh, I'm just looking through now. Yeah, so it seems to say that, um, like, Mr. Forkle seems to say that it was done by the dwarves in exile who were working for the Never Seen. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds, I think that that's right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's that's an explanation. Anyway, well, what this means, though, is that now that they know that, um, it was supporting that was causing Prentice to not really wake up, then that means Sophie is allowed to heal him now. So that's... That's a big thing. Big development. Like, yeah, I, the weird thing about Prentice is that I feel like they never really did anything with him, like, after they healed him. This is getting way, way ahead of the section. But I feel like he didn't really show up, cause it, which is weird, because it felt like there was this big, like... yeah. Yeah, he was so important. That was sort of their goal for, yeah, it's like we they did all this stuff so they could get to Prentice, and then none of it ever ended up, I mean, it did end up working, but he doesn't seem to really do anything after Nightfall. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, they they spend so many books and so much time doing all this stuff to try to bring Prentice back, the whole, like, breakout out of exile, and then... Just, like, he seems very important, and then once he actually is awake, it's, like, he's just, like, living with Wiley and trying to get his memories back, and we don't ever really see him again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another thing that's, uh, that's kind of confusing. Prentice is very confusing. Prentice is just confusing in general, I think. Um, moving on, the next thing that happens in this section is one of my favorite parts of this book, and it's when physic accidentally reveals that amy has been found and is living in the lost cities yeah and yeah so that's how like bronte finds out and then bronte is like oh well i want to meet her and sophie's like oh you're not mad that like we hid a whole person from you and he's like no no i want to meet her and give her a tour of the lost cities yeah, not gonna lie, Bronte had the best redemption arc in the whole series. Seriously. I just... Like, 
Yeah. I love the new Bronte. Yeah, Bronte's fun. It's always weird, like, going back and reading the earlier books and remembering how mean he used to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because he's just, he's just so great. I love him. I love... This is a Bronte-loving household. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I just love how, like, he's so... He seems so excited that Amy is there and that he gets to, like, show her around and, like, do all this stuff. I don't know, it feels very genuine and endearing. Yeah, he's just, he's so great. After that, Amy comes over. Right, yeah. I just, I love scenes like this where they actually get to be, like, genuinely happy for a little while. Yes, I agree. a lot of the time there's so much, like, well, Drama. let's almost die again. <laughs> and it's just sort of nice to have a moment where their lives aren't at stake. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like a calm little moment before you know everything goes down yeah. i love the section with sophie and amy at havenfield where they were like they were able to finally like talk together and just have some like bonding time which and i love that to see like you know siblings having a good time together especially sophie and amy yeah they just get to bond and then they get to ride um ride the alicorns yeah. Sylvanie's still, like, acting suspicious, which, yeah, we, we do know why that is, but not for a whole book. True, yeah. I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember why that is. It's because she's having twins, so she won't let people check her. Right, right. But yeah, everyone hangs out with Sylvanie and Grapefell for a while and flies on magical shiny horses, and that just makes me happy. Can't go wrong with magical shiny horses. I'm I'm channeling my inner, like, three-year-old right now. The next part of the section that I took note of was when Fitz shows up and he brings Sophie some ripple fluffs. He does indeed. I want ripple fluffs so much. I want ripple fluffs so bad. <laughs> like, they were talking about salted caramel in there, and I'm like, man, I'm hungry. Yeah, I just... I have said it before, I will say it again, I want to eat, like, all the food in the Lost Cities, it sounds so good. So yeah, Sophie and Fitz are, um, this is an interesting conversation, because he asks to, like, settle the, like, the favor that she was supposed to give him from, it was a few books ago now, um, don't remember exactly where, where it was from. I think it might have been, like, Lodestar? Lodestar? Maybe. Mm. I don't I don't remember things though. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so for for that question he asks her if um she's really thinking about not registering for the match. And I don't know, having read Legacy, having read Unlocked, I found this conversation kind of interesting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, all of the match drama is just... The matchmaking system is just... I know we've talked about this before, but it's just, like, not great. No, oh, yeah, every time someone says the word matchmaking system, I, res I have to resist the urge to just completely go off about it. Yeah, it's like someone, match system, everyone else just, like, collectively groans. <laughs> yeah, that's basically... That's basically the fandom. Yeah, so I don't know if that was, like 
foreshadowing for legacy if that's the right word for it um but it was interesting how like sort of fixated Fitz is already on on you know him and Sophie being matches even though he doesn't like say it outright here yeah I think I think that is interesting I don't know I think it's interesting for Fitz that he's on the one hand he's like he's done all this stuff that's against the council but he's still like I don't know what the word is. He's like, he still cares about the specific thing, about following the specific rule. And I kind of want to know, like, what his motive is for that. He says it's about his family, but, like, he's betrayed the council so many times. Like, what, what more, what, <laughs> how many more stains can you bring to your family's name? So I kind of want to go, like, jeez, that sounded so mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was so dramatic. I'm like, how many more stains can you bring to your family's name? That's not how I meant it. (laughs) But like... It's like Fitz has just brought dishonor to himself, his whole family. But yeah, that's that's a really good point. That like, like, in terms of elven standards and stuff, he seems to have like, to like, be selectively choosing some of them that like, he cares about. I don't know if selectively choosing was like, the white the the right way to phrase it no yeah it makes it makes sense but like you kind of wonder why though i was gonna say i wanted to fit i I wanted to sit fits down and talk about it but then i realized fits doesn't exist it would make more sense to talk about this with shannon who like (laughs) yeah like why it is that that particular thing is so important to fits i i guess it's possible that since he's just grown up in the tradition of matchmaking, like, it's something he's really used to, and it's very weird for him to, like, consider ever being a bad match or, like, existing outside of that system. Yeah, I mean, because if you've grown up with one thing, you it's sort of, like, intake it. Like, and you can't really imagine a world where that would, where something else would be okay. Like, I mean... Can you, like, can you imagine a world where it's just, like, totally chill for people to steal from one another? Like, no. That would be weird. But... Right, yeah. Yeah, and it's just sort of... I guess the Elven system is so rigid that... But they don't really... They don't really know a different way for the system to work. And that's kind of... I think that's sort of part of the point of Sophie is to have Sophie's existence in general, Project Moonlark, is to have, like, this outsider perspective of someone who didn't grow up the same way the elves, like, most of the other elves did, who can sort of, who doesn't just have that one frame of reference. Yeah, that's really interesting what you said about Sophie, like, being the person to, because that was her purpose, right, to, like, shake things up and to bring in um, like you said, an outside perspective. So to apply that to the match system as well would be cool to see. Because in in like the society Sophie grew up in, that isn't normal. Like it's I'm not say <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, humans are perfect, we're far from it, but it's just different. We don't have 
list of like, here, you can marry these 500 people, and technically you can marry someone else, but, but then you'll be shunned. Everyone will judge you for it. Yeah, yeah. Sort of flipping it around that way is interesting too, because it's like, oh, in our human society, the matchmaking system or the way the elves do it, that would be so weird to think about. And to, like, if that was implemented into a human society. So, Lady Giselle is back. Oh, boy. I hate her so much, but she's also such a fascinating character. I love how she just kind of, like, casually called Sophie this time. Like, they're just, like, they just communicate like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's not like you're a villain or anything. Yeah, it's like... Oh, hey, I think there's a murderer on the phone. We should probably answer that. And not only is she a murderer, but she confesses to the murder over the elf phone. (laughs) Yeah. Over the elf phone, yes. What I find really, I don't know if funny is the right word, but Sophie asks, are you seriously blaming Sierra for for her own murder? And the lady Gisela goes, why not? We all share some responsibility for our actions. Yes, I thought that was so funny. (laughs) I'm like... Ma'am, are you listening to yourself? Are you blaming her for your own murder? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) We can blame her for her own murder just for fun. She's like, well, I'm not blaming her directly. But, like, we're all responsible, you know? Me, her, it's all of us. We can all come together and make a murder happen. (laughs) Yeah, the murder was a joint effort between the murderer and the murderee. It's murder is a group project. <laughs> For context, essentially, during this... It, okay, it's not a phone call. It's called an imparter, I guess. Um, Gisela sort of tells the whole story about Sira and how she died, etc. And what I got from it, I think, was that she basically blackmailed Sarah into making a set of like star stones that she could leap with and then when the last star when she messed up the last star stone like she made it wrong or something then Gethin killed her by yeah by like attacking her during a light leap oh something that came to mind while she was like telling that story for me was um i wasn't sure exactly of like the timeline of when all this stuff happened um because i think gisella mentioned that project moonlark was already like a thing and underway so would that have been before or after sophie was born yeah i don't know because they were saying that they were getting like close to finding the girl so i guess it was after so yeah probably after sophie was born because when Sira died, Wiley was, I don't remember his exact age, but he was like a kid, right? He was like, yeah, he he was like, I don't know, nine maybe? Maybe? That yeah, that sounds, sounds right-ish. Right, I don't know why. I so if he was nine, then, ooh, let me try to do math. Wait, how much younger is Sophie? If she was 12 when Wiley was 19, no, she was 13 when Wiley was 19, right? So, yeah, so she would have been three? I can't do basic subtraction. <laughs> Mood. Yeah, I guess I guess Sophie would have been three then. 
That that sounds about right. I, I think nine minus six is three, but I could be wrong. I need <laughs> to sleep. Yeah, so if, if Sophie was already born at that point, that's um kind of interesting to me at least because that means that Keith was also already born. So it seems like whatever plans Lady Gisela had for Keith, it wasn't really related to um to Project Moonlark or anything like that because she didn't know about it yet. Yeah. Oh, so we find out there's a second nightfall. Yep, there's lots of doubles in this book. There's two Mr. Forkles and there's two nightfalls. Yep, one Forkle for each nightfall. I was gonna say maybe they should have split up and then I remembered one of them is dead. <laughs> no! Only one Forkman too. Only one Forkman now. If they were both alive, though, that would have been so fun. If, like, one of them... Yeah. And, like, half of the group went to Gisela's Nightfall and the other half went to Vesper's Nightfall. I wonder if that ever happened, though. If they, like... Because I know at some points they've had, like, the groups do separate things. I wonder if they've ever actually had them with different Borkles. Oh, that's interesting. And they just, like... Yeah, did they ever, like, afterwards where they, like, wait, so you were with Mr. Forkle at the same time I was with Mr. Forkle? So... There are two nightfalls, and Gisela's nightfall was where the Gorgodons lived, whereas Vesper's nightfall was where she did her experiments on humans, and that's where they think Sophie's family is being kept. Oh, um, Gisela also gives Sophie um, Vesper's journals. Oh, right, right, right. And I found this part funny because it's like they were written a very long time ago, so the runes are all really old. Yeah. And. Yeah, and um, so they're all trying to read them, and they can't. So now nobody can read. It's not just Sophie. <laughs> I, everyone can be a little bit literate as a treat. I think I make that joke in every episode. I I don't have... I have, like, three jokes that I, in my, like, joke repertoire, don't judge me. Okay, what else happens in this section? Well, Keith does come back at the very end of the section. Keith's back. He... Hasn't been here for a while because he's been recovering from almost getting killed by King Dimitar. Yep, just one of many almost deaths. Mm-hmm. Just a casual day for Keith Sensen. Yeah. Oh, and um, he brings back this, like, the, the key to the archetype. He does, the annoying clinky thing. Yeah, the clinky thing. I love how, like, none of them could figure it out. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like, don't they just have to stick four pieces together? <laughs> yeah, like... Like, there are I only mean, so know, many guess, ways you can do that. <laughs> I guess puzzles can be hard, but, like, I don't know, it's kind of... Four-piece puzzles. <laughs> kind of funny that Keith had it for, like, however many weeks he was on bed rest, and he could not figure yeah, it out. Not there. Well, technically, he thought he'd figure it out for for a while, but then they figured out it went a different way. And then, yeah, the section ends with them like researching more into the journals and sort of figuring out how to get into Vesper's Nightfall and that's the end of the section oh is this this is also where Sophie goes into like zombie Sophie mode zombie Sophie mode yeah where she's just like she just sort of um is completely unresponsive to everything and she's just sort of yeah Oh, yeah. 
she went through a long zombie period in this book, where she was just sort of wandering through life on... Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm also on zombie mode right now, so... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say same. Yeah, she's... Sophie is not doing so great. Yeah, she's, um... I mean, let's be honest, she hasn't been doing great since, like, the beginning of book one. <laughs> book one. <laughs> yeah. She she went to the Lost Cities, then it all just went downhill from there. Yeah. She needs some sleep, some therapy. Yeah. When, when was the last time this girl slept? Does she sleep? She needs to hang out more with Amy. Well, sometimes she gets sedated. That's about it. <laughs> Oh, when she had, like, the weird dreams? Yeah. She doesn't sleep. She just occasionally gets sedated. That is her sleep. Yeah. So, that'll be it for today. Um, our social media is... You can find us at KeeperCast on Instagram and the KeeperCast on Tumblr. And you can find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Clony underscore Clue on Instagram and Sewer 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 Couch on Tumblr. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.